All right, well, good morning, church. Welcome to week one of our new series that, as you saw, we're calling Playlist. Over the next five weeks, we will be looking at different types of psalms and the truths they teach us about God. Now, the book of Psalms, if you don't know, or the Psalter, as it's called, was the soundtrack of life for Old Testament Israel. These songs capture the hopes, the fears, the worship, the emotions of God's people, even to this day. They're, they're a soundtrack for the 21st century church also. So we're going to close out the summer with some really hopeful music. Now, since we have the kids in the service today, welcome kids. Let's give them a round of applause. Glad you're here today. Uh, I, I think what I'd like to do is start with a generational quiz related to music. Does anybody know what this is? Right here, yeah. Some of you might remember back in the day, this, there you go. This was the soundtrack, or the way you played your soundtrack, eight-track tapes. Uh, how about this one? This is the one that I grew up on right here. Yeah, cassette tapes, Children's of the 80s, 70s, I guess. I forget when they came in. They were released there in the 80s. Uh, some of you probably know what this one is, right? This was the entry into the digital world with uh, CDs. Now, a CD um, held maybe 13, 15 songs at best, and so if you're, if you're old enough to remember this, and that, that this was like the thing we used all the time, you probably owned something like this to collect all of your CDs. If you wanted to have thousands of songs at your disposal, you had to, uh, you, know, you know, put aside, you know, a couple square, square feet in your bedroom uh, for that. Uh, and then even in those days, people would go around carrying uh, boom boxes for music on the go. Uh, they wanted to share their soundtrack with other people. Yes, this was a thing, if you're questioning me right now. Now, um, the only irony about all of this is that vinyl records are actually making a comeback right now. I hear people are starting to collect those things. I, I saw somebody clapping out there, yes. All right, now one more question. Who knows what this is? This right here. <clears throat> this was the original, original iPod, and it was released in November of 2001, and in its day, 20 plus years ago, it was revolutionary because it could hold up to 2,000 songs right in your, your pocket. Now, now there was really just a, a true soundtrack for your life right in your pocket. It was mind-blowing. With the digital revolution now, we can customize playlists and if you're a teenager, I'm told you got playlists for everything. You got your homework playlist. You got your country playlist. You got your songs to sing in the shower playlist. Just playlists everywhere, whatever it is. Now, the great thing about the first iPod was, was this. There, there was no distractions, right? This, this thing just played music. I know, crazy. That's all it did. You could listen to music and not be interrupted. Now, eventually, the iPod morphed into the iPhone, which a lot of us have in our pocket, or some type of smartphone that we play music from today. Now, what does the iPhone bring with it? Distractions. So you may be listening to a song, but then ding, there's a text message, an app notification, a schedule reminder. It's really easy to be distracted from the music with an iPhone. In fact, we get so distracted that we lose track of time. Now, my iPhone, uh, maybe like yours, has a screen time tracker, and it tells me just how much screen time I used compared to the last week, and each week it shames me. It says, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but it makes me ask a really important question. How am I spending my time? How am I spending my time? And I, I'd ask you the same question. How are you spending your time? Because there's only so many hours in a day, and sometimes it seems like everyone and everything wants your attention, and you got to choose who or what to give your time to. How are you spending your time? In our super busy, 
crazy distracted, pressurized world, the tension so many of us feel, including kids and teenagers, is this. I need more time. Can anybody out there relate to that? Have you ever uttered some of the following phrases? There's not enough hours in the day. Just give me a few more minutes. I need a personal assistant. Right? Even my six-year-old, she'll come up, she'll negotiate with me about time. Right? Especially around bedtime, right? Please, can I just stay up and watch another movie? Right? I'm, I'm, not color, I'm not done coloring this picture. Can I just play for 10 more minutes? See, kids, kids, even what are you doing? You're saying, I need more time. And the reason we feel this way, I think, is that we don't always use time properly. In fact, we lose track of time for at least two reasons. Number one, we get distracted, which I already alluded to. Uh, those of you out there that are social butterflies, you get off task, and then you're like, where did the time go? But others of us, we get too focused. I mean, you, you, this is the hardworking A-types who get lost in their, in their projects. And what happens then is time flies by, our kids get older, we get older, and then we look in the mirror at our older selves and we say, where did the time go? In the moment, we're not thinking about time. There is, however, a universal moment where we are acutely aware of time and, it stands, and it's standing still, and that's when disaster strikes. So a loved one dies, a friend moves away, a national tragedy occurs. In fact, as I was studying this week, as I allude in this picture here, I was reminded that the iPod came out in November of 2001, which was a mere two months removed from the events of September the 11th, 2001. And it was also just a couple weeks after Mariana Rivera blew the seventh game of the World Series and the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks. Both great tragedies in their day. But then the iPod came. The music came. Because when disaster strikes and time stands still, that's when we need a new soundtrack for life. And that, my friends, is what Psalm 90 is all about. Community disaster is the backdrop. In fact, we don't know the details, but most commentators think that something tragic happened in the life of the people of God. And this psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer psalm, a prayer for wisdom, a song for wisdom, if you will. And it talks about time. It tells us how to use the time we have wisely. Psalm 90, 12 famously says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And and this verse right here really was the prayer for the people of Israel. And it's a prayer for us. And it has three elements. How should we pray? How should we pray? First, Lord, teach me. Right, so he says we we need a teachable heart to understand what God's doing in our lives. Second, Second, we have to number our days. In other words, we have to pray, Lord, show me how to use my time. Help me to understand that my time here on earth is finite. And and then third, give me wisdom. In other words, we don't know how long we have. Show me, show me, show me how to live with the time that you've given to me. So as we continue this morning, what what I'd like to do is give you an image to hold on to. Um, And and this is for kids and adults. I had it hanging up here. It's the image of a a paper chain. Now, um, I asked Miss Rachel this week to make this for me, and I said, how about you make it about as as tall as me? So she clearly thought I was much taller than I actually am. Sorry. Uh, Vertically challenged. Thank you for those of you out there that share that. Um, But has anybody ever made a paper chain, right? Uh, Okay, good. 
good. Okay, good. I see those hands. Yes. So now you know, usually when you make a paper chain, the purpose is that you are counting down to a special event. So a birthday, Christmas, summer vacation, whatever it is, and you tear off the chains as you're counting down to that event, right? You tear them off. You tear them off. They, they fly away. And the shorter the shorter it gets, the more the excitement builds. But the paper chain, I think, also teaches us something about our lives and about what the author is telling us in Psalm 90. Each day, the chain gets shorter and shorter and shorter because we're counting down the days until we meet Jesus and go to heaven. It, it's, you can look at it like a countdown to heaven, it's, it's a picture of what the psalmist is saying right here, right? Teach us to number our days, to count the lengths of our lives so that we don't miss what you're teaching us in the moment, Lord. Now, I'm going to come back to this throughout the message, so I'm just going to, I'm going to hide it back here for just a moment. But I, I want to say my exhortation to all of us and to myself is this. We have to take stock of the links on our chains. Don't miss what God is showing you right now in the moment of the everyday life. And let his joy be your song. Even in the midst of tragedy, ask yourself, how am I spending my time? And so what I'd like to do is examine the rest of Psalm 90 and what it teaches us about, how God, what it teaches us about God, ourselves, and time. It's a song of wisdom. So the psalmist shows us how to use our time well and craft a musical masterpiece with our lives. How do we do that? He gives us three action steps. Number one, you have to know where to dwell. Number two, you got to reflect on the dust. And number three, you got to number your days. They're right in the text. Know where to dwell, reflect on the dust, number your days. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for all my friends that are here, young, uh, not so young, Lord. Would you just bless us uh, this morning as we hear from your word and challenge us? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So first, if you want to use time, you have to know where to dwell. Now, I know dwell is not a, it's not a common word. In fact, if you're a, you're a younger person here today, you might say, what does dwell even mean? Who says dwell? Well, our dwelling is our, our home. It's where you spend your time. It's where you, it's where you dwell, right? And, and you know what? Maybe even after today, you could start a new trend. You could start using dwell for everything, like I'm going to Starbucks to dwell. I'm going to my friend's house to dwell. You know, I don't know. Maybe it'll catch on. We'll, we'll see what happens. But where you dwell is where you spend your time, and it makes a difference. Look at how Psalm 90 begins. Uh, the psalmist writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And I want you to focus on three words there, Lord, uh, generations, Lord, and, and dwelling. So the phrase all generations conveys that this psalm is addressed to all of God's people, past, present, future. It's a personal prayer which acknowledges that God is our Lord. He's sovereign over all things in our lives. And whatever happens, he is in control. Now focus on that phrase dwelling place. It can also be translated as God is our, not our dwelling place, God is our home which would have been significant for God's people, Israel. Because remember, Israel, you might remember, was a nomadic people. They were roaming around. They left their homeland. And that God is their dwelling place is a reminder that no matter where they were physically, they could always find their hope, their identity, and their safety in God. He solves the problem of human rootlessness. Now, that may be true for you today as well, because perhaps you've come into this service, you're listening to this later on, and you're feeling like, I don't have hope right now. 
I'm, I'm questioning my identity, my calling in life. I don't feel safe. You need to hear these words today. God is your dwelling place. God is your dwelling place. Now, the problem is too often we go and we try to find our dwelling somewhere else. We don't come to our true home for what we need. We go and drink from other wells when Jesus is the only one that offers the living water. What does that look like? Well, maybe you're somebody who's finding your identity in, in hope, first in academic achievements or career achievements or how put together your family looks. Maybe it's your financial acumen, your athletic prowess, or your relational success. In fact, today, you might be in a dating relationship that needs to end, but the emotional ties are too strong, and that relationship has now become your dwelling place. You're placing all your hope and all your identity right there, and if it ends, it will crush you. Where are you dwelling today? Is God your home or is something else your home? If you're not dwelling in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, something else has your attention, and it will ultimately leave you empty. God wants to be our dwelling. Now, now the question is, who is God? Who is God? Well, the psalmist answers that in verse 2. Look at this. Uh, Before the mountains were formed, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So what do we learn in verse 2? God is our creator. He brought forth the mountains. He formed the world. He is the master artist. Now, it doesn't say it here, but he also made you and me. God is the creator of everyone and everything. But what else does it say? It says God is everlasting. So we started this message talking about time, but verse 2 tells us that God exists outside of time. He was there before the world began. He was there at the end of history. He sees all points of time simultaneously. Everything in the universe came about because of him. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would you want to make your home in anything other than God? Why would you dwell anywhere else? Theologian A.W. Tozer said these words, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about God, is he your dwelling place? You have to know where to dwell. And when you're dwelling in the safety and security of our God, it's then that you use time wisely. They're linked. Then you can sing with joy, even in the midst of the storms. In fact, if I gave this a New Testament angle, do you remember what Paul wrote to the Philippians? He said this, chapter 4 of Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and then what? And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, don't be anxious, pray, and relax, and let God's peace watch over you. He's your home. Or translation, you got to know where to dwell. Now, don't miss the application here, because when we have security in Christ, when the peace of Christ dwells in us, it's then that we use our time well. Why? Because it's then that we know our identity in Christ, and I'm not concerned what others think about me. It's then that we know his calling on our lives, and we can say no to the demands of others. Security is found in our true home, where we can then sing with joy. So just, we had to stop dwelling in the wrong place. So let's come back to this paper chain image again. I promised you I'd do this. But even in our time together, the chains 
the links on the chains are being, are being ripped off, right? Time is marching on. Now, what I find really interesting is that I don't know how long my chain is, and neither do you. But at some point, the links will run out, we'll get to the end of the links, and we're going to come face to face with Jesus, because time is going to keep marching on. The chain's just going to keep getting shorter. And if we're not paying attention, we're going to miss the links. Don't miss the links. I'll leave this section with the wise words of J.R.R. Tolkien's wizard, Gandalf. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to us. So whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, don't miss the links of time before you. Know where to dwell. Because if you want to use time well, you have to first know the creator of time. And then we start to see the first movement taught us about God, but the second movement teaches us about ourselves. We have to reflect on the dust. Now, for some of us, that phrase may sound a little insulting. You say, well, what do you mean? Are, Are you saying I'm dust? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we are told that Adam, God formed Adam from the, from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed life into him. So yes, I am saying you and I are dust, indeed. Now, kid, now let's talk about dust for a second. Kids, have you ever dusted your room? In fact, let's take a poll by a show of hands. How many of you have dusted any part of your house this week? Anybody did any dusting? All right, I see like two hands. So all of you got dusty houses out there, Right? Even adults, you aren't dusting. Now, if you dust during the day and the sun shines through your window, you can see the dust kick up in the air, and it's just amazing to see how much dust is in our homes. If you go out and you take dry dirt from the ground and you throw it up in the air, you will see dust. The first movement taught us about God, but this middle section of the psalm, verses 3 to 11, teach us about ourselves, and they show us humanity's relationship with our creator. What does the author say in verse 3? He says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. So for this movement, the key question is not who is God, but who are we? So let's focus on what the Bible says about dust for just a moment. This this word right here teaches us a truth about ourselves and also a truth about God. So first, returning to dust right here recalls uh, Genesis uh, and and the curse of Adam. So like our, our ancestor, we are, he's saying here, we are sinners who rebel against a holy God. But secondly, the phrase, you turn people back to dust, is a picture of God protecting his own people from their enemies, God is a shelter for his people. We are sinners, and we, we need a holy, powerful, loving God to save us and protect us. Two amazing truths right here in verse 3. Next, we learn about the nature of time from God's perspective. Look at verse 4. He says, For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. Now take that in for just a moment. Do you see what the psalmist is saying? For God, a thousand years are as a passing day. Do you know what happened a thousand years ago? The United States, as we know it, didn't exist. Europe was in the Middle Ages. And the psalmist says those thousand years for God, they're like a few hours in the night. Then he gets to our own lifespan. Verse 10, he says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80 Now, do you see how our lives and our view of time are so completely different from God? We live 80 years, and we think that's long. God blinks, and a 1,000 years are gone. 
And, and yet, we think our lives are so significant. We, we think our lives, like, we're the center of the universe. Do you see how much smaller we are than God? Now, kids, if you're out there, how many of you, how many of you can tell time, right? I imagine a lot of, good, I see hands, good, so you, we, good, you can tell time. But you don't always have a great concept of time, right? For example, I'll be driving in the car with my daughter, and she'll ask me, are we there yet, Where, wherever it is that we're going? How much longer is it going to be till we get there? And I might reply and say, well, it's, it, we're about 10 minutes away. But then she'll ask me a minute later, is 10 minutes done yet? Kids, have you ever done this with your parents? Yeah? Stop. <laughs> Stop doing that. We'll get there when we get there, right? You got to get, get a better sense of time. My point is this. We cannot comprehend how big God is and how small we are. And yet, and yet, he loves us and he gives us purpose on this earth. But we have to remember that it's, that it's he who forms the dust. Don't live like you are God, because you're not. And yet so many of us do, right? But when we reflect on the dust, the lesson God teaches us is this. The world does not revolve around me. In fact, let's say that together. One, two, three. The world does not revolve around me. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them, the world does not revolve around me. That's right. All right. See, we're reflecting on the dust together right now. Good job. But so many of us live like the world revolves around us. Reflecting on the dust keeps us from doing that. And the quicker you learn that lesson, the quicker you will learn to deal with the challenges that life brings us. Because we don't live very long, and when we do, we learn this in verse 10. He says, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble, and soon they disappear and we, we fly away. Now, relatively speaking, we don't live long on this earth, and while we're on earth, life can be hard. There's suffering, there's tragedy the question is, what are you going to do when that happens? Who are you going to run to for help? Will you find shelter in the everlasting God, or will you try to build a shelter for yourself? Let's trust in the one who is everlasting, who's outside time, who's more powerful than we could ever be. So again, the question for this section is, who are we? In his book on prayer, Tim Keller makes this assertion. He says, we can only know ourselves rightly when we see ourselves in relation with God. And underneath verses 3 to 11, the psalmist makes it very clear that we are sinners deserving God's wrath. Look at verses 8 and 9. You spread out our, secret, our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. <laughs> now, as morbid as that sounds, it's the key to understanding why we waste time. We're spending it on ourselves. We engage in selfish pursuits. And until you understand that you're a sinner and that you're focused on yourself and that you're living life not for the eternal but for the temporal, you will waste time. Stop living for yourself is what he's getting at. When we live for ourselves, we engage in a lot of what I'll call time waster activities. And I'll give you two examples of time wasters. Number one, worry. Some of us out there are masters of worrying. In fact, if there was a degree, an academic degree for worry, some of us would have a couple PhDs. And I know because I can be a worrier. My wife will attest. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll confess, it's, it's the downside often of having a futuristic-oriented mindset. Because so, some of us like to plan far, far in the future. We like to strategize. But then you can become consumed with worry and easily forget that God is your dwelling place. Second, 
Second time waster, toys, right? Toys are time wasters. Yes, I said it. Now, if you're a kid, uh, it's perfectly fine and good to waste time with toys. In fact, kids, I wonder, what are some of your favorite toys, right? My kids love these. They love magnetiles. They're, they're just wonderful. In fact, if you've got little kids, they can get lost for hours putting together these things, learning the fine motor skills. I also have girls, so there's fights over dolls in my house because that's what we got to do, toys. But here's the thing. When we get older, we still like toys, right? However, for many of us, our toys can easily become time wasters because we, we start using them to escape from what God may be calling us to or to deal with a situation that God wants us to, is calling us to. We may be finding comfort in our toys rather than God himself. Friends, when you reflect on the dust, you start to realize that it's not about you. It's about the everlasting God who made the world. He is the one who has given us time on this earth, and he is the one who gives us purpose. So you focus on him, and the rest will fall into place. So let's come back again to the paper chain. In fact, in this message, time has still been ticking away. More links on the chain have been falling off. They're falling off. Even right now, ticking away. Time is going down. It's like the Jeopardy song. Do, 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 do. It's just, it's going off. It's going down. The links are coming off the chain. How are you spending your time? Because even during this message, you, you, have you been thinking about God or yourself? Because right now, you might be thinking about what you need to do later rather than what God is teaching you through these verses of Scripture. And what God is saying is reflect on the dust. Don't miss the links of your life because they're falling off. They're falling off. Soon, they're going to be gone <clears throat> at some point in the future. See yourselves rightly before a holy God. Repent of your sins, don't wallow in them, and follow the everlasting God as you seek to build his kingdom. When we reflect on the dust, we, it helps us see how small we are. And it also orients us to the God who is bigger, who is more powerful, who is more loving than we could ever imagine. He knows we are dust. He knows our secret sins. Do you know that? And you know what? He did something about it. He sent his only son to die on the cross so that our secret sins and our public sins and all the sins we've yet to commit, they were atoned for on the cross of Jesus Christ. And he's calling us right now to come home, to come back to the foot of the cross. Yes, you're dust. Yes, you're sinners. But when you come to Jesus in repentance, he transforms your life and, and turns it into a beautiful song that orients people back to him. That's what we're made for. And it's then that you can finally, finally number your days. <clears throat> know where to dwell, reflect on the dust, but thirdly, number your days. Verse 12, again, the psalmist says this. Teach us to number our days that we may what? That we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, number your days. What, is, what does it mean to number your days? We've been looking at this paper chain through the entire message, but I want to offer a little bit of nuance here as we look at this verse. Uh, most people think numbering your days refers to counting down your days. And in one sense, as I've already said, yes, that's correct. But, but I want to make a distinction. This verse refers to a preset period of time that God has planned for each of us. And I'm going to say this really clearly. Everybody in this room, or if you're listening to this later on, everybody listening to this, before you were born, God ordained the number of days you have on this earth. And you can't change that. 
You have no control over that. All you can do is choose to use the time you've been given wisely. How do you do that? Well, you, you dwell in the right place, you reflect on the dust, but then if you do that, you'll start to place your trust in God. You start to pray differently. And my prayer is that as we, as a church, pursue Christ with all our might during the time that he's given to us, it, it changes our hearts. How do you number your days well? What I want to suggest is we, is we pray more and we pray better. At the end of this psalm of prayer, the author offers a pattern for prayer. The author shows us four items that we should pray in the midst of crisis. So the first one is wisdom. Verse 12, we already spoke about this. Wisdom is knowing how to live rightly in response to God and his gospel. And then we pray every day that God gives us a heart of wisdom. And let that be the music of our life. But secondly, he says, verse 13, that we should pray for forgiveness. And I'll be honest, that's, that's a prayer that many of us need to learn to pray. Because there's many of us who waste, have wasted years of our lives walking with unforgiveness. And it causes bitterness in the soul. It robs links off your chain. It steals your joy. Instead, the psalmist says, forgive and forgive quickly. In verse 13, the, the psalmist writes, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Because he, and he's showing us that he's a God of forgiveness. He spilt his own blood on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and so we could have the power to forgive others. Don't waste your time withholding forgiveness. Third, stability. Verse 14. Look at how beautiful verse 14 is. He writes, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And that's the goal. I mean, if you can live every day rejoicing in the steadfast love of the Lord, you're not going to waste your time. You were made for that. Every day, God wants you to wake up, experience his mercy, and be a person of joy. And if you're walking through life right now and, and you don't have joy, ask yourself the question, why? Ask the Lord to show you who or what stole your joy and then come back to the cross. Come home. Only Christ can satisfy. And then fourth, you can pray for renewal. That's verse 15. When you come back to your true dwelling place in Christ, you will be renewed. Verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Wow, may that be our prayer. Lord, make us glad. Whatever pain we've walked through during our time on earth, make us glad in you, the author of time. Teach us, Lord. Shape us. Renew us. And when that is your prayer, we'll use time wisely. Nowhere to dwell. Reflect on the dust. In prayer, learn to number your days. And it's then, as your heart looks upward in prayerful song, that you gain a heart of wisdom. Now, did you notice that wisdom is linked to time. Why? Because it's the fool who does not consider the time they have. It's the fool who wastes their time on frivolous things. A person who wastes time does not understand their purpose on earth, which is to give glory to God. And friends, we live in challenging times. Some of us right now, we're, we're walking through tragedy. Others of us, we're, we're facing qu hard questions or hurdles in life. Others of us, there may be health challenges. But the question is, when those challenges come, and they will, how are you using your time? We all have this preset paper chain that our creator gives to us, and he, wa that he, wants, us to, he wants us to use our time in powerful ways. 
But he also wants us to trust him and love him and pursue him and take stock of the links because they're coming off day after day, year after year. The links are coming off. And one day, we're going to come to the end of our links. We're going to come to the very end, and we're going to come face to face with our creator. We're going to come face to face with the living God, and he's going to look at us, and he's going to say, how did you use your time? You're going to have to give an account and what do you want him to say? Well done or depart from me? Which do you want? Do you want the favor of God in your life? So many of us are running away from God for selfish reasons. Some, some of us, we, we know God is calling us to go in a, in a certain direction or to live a certain way. We know the favor of God is over there. And yet, so many of us don't follow Christ and we go over there. We're missing the links as they fall off the chain. And what the psalmist is saying is don't miss the links. At the end of Psalm 90, the author is asking the question, is God still with us? Do we still have his favor? They want to see God work in their lives. And they pray, Lord, we need you. We need to see your work, Lord. Some of us right now, that's our prayer also. We're saying, God, we need to experience your steadfast love. We need to know that you are with us. We need to know the truth of verse 14. Verse 14, what does he say? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Some of us right now, we, we, we need that because we, we don't have joy. We're not satisfied. Stop running away from God. Do you want his steadfast love? Trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. And when you do, you will experience joy unimaginable because Jesus himself is the heart of wisdom. Nowhere to dwell, reflect on the dust, number your days, and then, and then you can sing that song of wisdom. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on stage. They're going to do one more song. And actually throughout the series, we, we, we picked out songs that are renditions of the actual psalms that we're looking at. And so this last song is going to be... Um, a rendition of Psalm 90, emphasizing the themes within it. Before they play, pray, play, would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, Lord. I thank you for my friends that are here. Lord, I pray that we would live our lives not missing the links of the chain that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that we would number our days well, that we would know where to dwell, and may that dwelling be you. I pray that we would reflect on the dust and see ourselves rightly before you, O oh God, and who see ourselves in who we are. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust you and pursue you, that we would pray well, Lord God, as we number our days to give you glory. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.